Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Buddhist Biohacker. My name is Lisa Gunshore, and I am your demystification guide. And welcome to my YouTube channel. If you have not yet subscribed to Buddhist Biohacker, please do. We have thousand, thousands of hours um, of content on here for you guys. So um, welcome in. We survived the new moon and the solar eclipse. So we are through eclipse season. And I saw a lot of posts on the Ajatakasa app with a lot of you that did not sleep. I am one of those people. I was up at 1 a.m. to like five and then I finally fell back asleep. Um, so I promise I will pop in and talk more about that later today. But we have Cairo back with us again this month to do part two of mental wellness. And Cairo, welcome in. It's such an honor and a joy to have you back a second time this month. Thank you so much for having me again in such a short period of time, Melissa. It feels yeah. so good to be back again. <laughs> well, it's such a powerful subject, Cairo. Like everybody was so excited with so many comments about this and mental wellness is so front of mind for so many people after this last year. Um, so I am stoked to have you back. So thank you for facilitating this, Lisa. Uh, it's amazing. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be able to be here doing what I'm doing. Thank okay. you so much. Oh, you're welcome. We need you, Cairo. I mean, we do. I mean, I learned so much the last time you were on, and I'm so excited today, too. And I think um, everybody who's joining in the live, before we dive in, <clears throat> You can ask questions to Cairo anytime um, during the show. So please throw those in, um, throw your questions in. I'd also love to hear how you're feeling after the new moon yesterday. I'd love to know where you're from, all those good things. You guys can throw your comments in. Um, but Cairo, let's dive in. I've got my journal. I'm like, it's right here. Hold on. <laughs> I put my face in the camera. I've got yeah. my journal. I'm ready to take some notes. <laughs> um, I, after you know, after you know, last time I've also got lots of people asking questions and and good feedback, very encouraging feedback, and I was happy because it's a nice combination of things. I'm, I'm here talking about one of the most fascinating aspects of Chinese medicine, of energy, energy and everything applied to something very precious, which is our cognitive function, our brain, our, our you know memory. I decided to do a little review. Uh, recap for what we spoke last time before I start with the subject I was planning to talk about today. Is that okay? Yeah. Yes. So basically the title is Memory and Cognitive Function in Chinese Medicine. Of course, this is such a vast and fascinating subject that I could be here hours and hours talking about this and not getting to the end. It's a never ending story. But I would like to share what I'm about to share, and I started last time, is some of my experience, something, uh, my, my hands-on, the things I see, my practice on a daily basis or on a regular basis. And one thing we talked about last time is that the, about the memory, started talking about the memory. It's a form of, and forms of retrieving the memory, forms of restoring the memory. Some of us are more visual, such as myself, like a photographic memory. If I see something, I tend to retain. Even if you tell me something, if I imagine it written on, a, on an invisible board, I tend to retain that information. Mm. But some people are more auditory. Some people are more, you know, uh, it's so, thank God, there's some variations. You know, it's not so monotonous. But the most interesting thing is, uh, I started talking about last time, is what one of the most powerful 
ways of form of restoring, storing and retrieving is through is, is the snow, the smell. The sense of smell is so strong, so powerful. And, and that's particularly important from zero to 10 years of age. From during that period of time, uh, that's most of our memory is associated with the smell. You know, we can, the, the babies can smell dangers, can smell comfort, the mom, um, so it's, it's a very something irritating, so much so that when we are, you know, if we smell something, if we, if we have this aroma, it brings back our childhood like this. And I use the example of baking, uh, the walking through a bakery uh, early morning as I was very young and the, the aroma of freshly baked bread is still with me to this day. And it's a good memory, it's a good association, right? And, but when, when this, this, um, the smell goes to the brain, it normally it goes, there are two, two main centers. I call two filing cabinets. One, it's when we, this filing cabinet is stored just information, some just facts. Yeah? And the other one is more information plus emotion attached to it. Those would have uh, emotional attachment. Those are the ones that keep coming to us, that keep affecting us in many ways. And that's a good example of the one. One example is like phobias, yeah? like whether it's a claustrophobia, fear of fire, of, of heights, all those phobias. All the phobias, they are the fear of a fear. Yeah? So you cannot. You're only afraid of that because you've, you've been through an experience before. Yeah? So that emotion is attached to this, uh, this information and stays there until one day, if you find ways which I'm going to share with you today, uh, means of, of, of eliminating uh, this, uh, of this memory, especially if this emotion attached to a memory, especially if it's not a good one, of course. Um, but there may there are ways. This to hang on. We're going to be talking about this. Um, the other subject that we talk about, which is the core of what I'm, I'm sharing with you, is that in Chinese medicine we don't have only one memory center, so to speak. There are in fact three memory centers. One is the heart. So according to Chinese, is the heart stores long-term memory, right? So memory from way back in the past, right? The kidneys store short-term memory, the day-to-day -day memory, you know, that's to do with kidneys. And intellectual memory, memory of numbers, names, intellectual in general, has to do with spleen. And that's precisely uh, this con concept. It's very interesting because it can explain why somebody like a, a, a grandpa or somebody is losing memory can barely remember the name of people, what is had for dinner last night, but he can remember everything that's happened a long time ago. Right? Or, which I have seen a lot, people have some uh, cognitive function issues are very remember names and numbers. So that's to say with this idea, all these memories can coexist. All the memories quality depending what's happening. Say 
if somebody cannot remember what's going on now, day-to-day um, -day, uh, facts, that means that the kidneys are, are declining, the energy is declining, but the heart is very strong. Mm -hmm. That's why you can coexist. <clears throat> or, or you have a very strong spleen, your earth element is strong, so you're very good at names, no matter what's going on. Okay? So this is a very important aspect, because knowing that, we can address what's going on because there's something I didn't share with you last time, Lisa, or your friends. Um, well, I started talking about this, but if you think in terms of um, the kidneys and the heart, right? They complement each other in Chinese medicine. The heart represents the fire element and the kidneys representing water element. So the water, cools down the fire and the fire warms down the water, warms the water. So there is this constant connection, interaction between the two, but it's not only that. When it comes to memory, when it comes to cognitive function, the story gets even better because the kidneys responsible for the bone, the brain marrow, the mass, you know, the actual brain in Chinese medicine, and the heart is responsible for the software Hardware will be the kidneys, the, the, the brain itself, and the heart is to do with the mind, is to do with the software. So they can work with each other. That's to say that if the problem is like an accident, it's a, it's a physical problem, the person had an accident, it was some brain, physical brain damage, where are we going to go? Kidneys, kidney energy because the kidney is responsible for the hardware, right? If the problem is more like a mind, emotion, uh, something more like uh, beliefs or, or, or rigidity or something of a kind, this is no longer kidneys. This is to do with the heart, right? So this shows how to go, where to go. If I have problems retaining uh, information, intellectual memory, I go where? Spleen. I go to spleen because spleen is to do with intellectual memory, right? And I'm going to share this uh, later on, how to be more specific what to do. So far so good? Yes, totally. Well, and I wanna jump in back when you're talking about the smells. Um, <clears throat> so here in Denver, Colorado, um, there's a like a, suburb of Colorado called Commerce City. And it's full of all these refinery plants and it, it's very stinky. Like it's, it's literally so stinky. And I have some of my most vivid memories as a child that I can just remember like that are when I was driving, my, my dad's office used to be in Commerce City. And so we would drive there um, when they had to work on the weekend or whatever. So my, both my parents worked there. <clears throat> I have these like vivid memories. I can remember the music playing on the radio. I can remember what my parents were talking about. I can remember, you know, all sorts of things. And I swear it's because of that stinky smell. So when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so validating because I really have, I just have these like really strong memories as a kid when we were driving to that office, like more than anything else. And it's because of that. And every time I smell it, like if I have to drive to that part of town, I immediately remember all of that. Yes. Yeah. It's fascinating. Uh, 
The reason being is the, the only, the smell is the only sense that is connected directly to the brain without bypass or other parts of the brain. It's directly from olfactory bulb directly to the, the, the memory centers. Mm -hmm. So there's no, uh, it's, it's a direct connection. And it's okay, um, harmless, if, if it's just a memory. But if sometimes when there's emotion that is not quite happy, so that can play a, a it, that may be sometimes a bit hard. Uh, every time you come across a smell or something, so, oh, that reminds me of something that is not very, very happy. But then again, uh, there's something we can do about it, you know. Um, it, it's interesting because uh, you can use that in a very positive way. Uh, if you, like for instance, people have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorders. Um, sometimes we know that um, through studies that the memory of, let's say somebody was in, in, a, in a car accident or something like that. It was fine, you know, suffered some, it was treated and it's fine. Then you have the person that found out about it, the family, they closely associated with those people. And you have a third row of people, the friends of people that found out about it, but they have no necessary connection with the people. They actually experienced that. We know that the closer you are to the fact that they cause the stress, the emotion, uh, the least you can remember details. Oh, because wow. the, yeah, you have that impact so big. So you remember vaguely that the emotion overwhelms everything. It's like this surcharge. You know. <laughs> the, the, the people uh, that are related to the subjects that experience that, that situation, they still have that impact but they remember more details, right? And the people on the third row, they have nothing to do with the subjects necessarily. They can remember all the details by reading, you know. So there's a degree of, 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 uh, re, of retaining the memory, of retaining that, that information. This is fascinating. Uh, actually, this was a, um, uh, a study being done after 9-11. Mm. Somebody did that over a period of time, and then it's it's exactly like that. And the interesting thing is that if by any chance you had an accident or you have some trauma or situation, and there was a smell somewhere involving to that, that's even more powerful. Wow! So every time the person comes across that smell or smell it again, it brings back much faster. But in that case, it's not so, uh, it's not uplifting to say the least. And that, in that case, we, there are things we can do about it. Mm -hmm. So not, nothing's too bad. <laughs> right? yeah. So that's to say we can coexist. The mem different memories can coexist. Uh, depending what's going on with us, depending if it's hard to do, it's to do with the kidneys or, or spleen, we can work with that. But um, then we, we started talking about uh, about uh, neuro, uh, neurodegenerative disorders, um, like cognitive disorders such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and dementia. Basically, 
in Chinese medicine, uh, Alzheimer's is more like everything's it's it's like blocked inside all the senses. You're not receiving, you're not giving. It's it's blocked, and it's in the in Chinese medicine has to do with um, the kidneys and spleen not working well, so the movement of fluids are impaired. The next step it creates mucus, and the next step it creates what we call phlegm. Not necessarily the phlegm as we know it, the phlegm as you call it, but the phlegm like some substances sticky, heavy, and mm -hmm. blocks the senses. Hence, uh, we can call you know uh, different things, but basically, it's a, it's a it's a phlegm issue, right? Coming you know associated with kidneys and spleen. Uh, Parkinson is different. Parkinson is, is, is to do with the loss of dopamine producing neurons. So the chemistry is not well, but not flowing. But in Chinese medicine, it's to do with the liver. Because anything to do with movement, like shaking or rigidity, this is a liver issue. Right? Liver issue. Now, uh, I can go a little, one notch higher, which I didn't talk about last time. This is my own experience. I may be wrong. But um, Parkinson, especially this rigidity we're talking about, also comes along has something to do with um, like um, rigid beliefs. If the person is very rigid in his or her beliefs, that makes you prone to liver issues that could lead to this kind of thing, right? And the best way to preventing this is to just, once you realize that that's happening or this happening in your family or you're concerned that this might happen to you, movement, movement, dance, uh, swim, the Qigong, anything that involves movement. It's, it's the best thing you can do. I remember way back when my mom was in the 80s, 80 something, her memory wasn't uh, 100%. She was losing a bit of her memory. I thought, what can I give her for Christmas? I was going to Brazil for Christmas. And what can I give mom for Christmas? And I was talking about, hmm, do you know what I did? I bought the two pair of boxing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> she would never go. Of course, I tried to do something more feminine, like pink with that pun punching ball. Mm -hmm. Made a nice package and took it to Brazil and, and Christmas. She couldn't. I asked her, can you guess what it's? She, she, not in the, in the <laughs> <laughs> yes, she could guess what I was. But because of this movement, you know, when you do movement, especially involving two limbs, either two the legs or arms, you activate the two hemispheres at the same time. And then my brother and my sister organized that in a way that she could have the, the ball and she could play with that. And it was tremendous. So Parkinson, rigidity, shaking, best thing, movement. It's like an antidote. Okay? Okay. Now, another thing we talk about, which is fascinating, I use and recommend all the time, is uh, since the memory is associated with the smell, it's essential oils. They're the best therapy for cognitive function, both to retrieve, both to retrieve or to work with this. Essential oils are fantastic. 
And I have many cases, not only myself in my practice, but from friends uh, using essential oils or therapists with amazing results. And the main ones that I can share is rosemary, yeah, that it can increase memory by 75%. But just having rosemary around, you know, putting some smell, uh, rosemary oil where you can smell, yeah, or drinking rosemary tea. Mm. Uh, um, the other one is sage. Sage is very good for, for memory, and especially, you know, in the case of Alzheimer's. Frankincense is another one, you know, very, very powerful. It helps the brain to, to, um, to absorb more oxygen. And in speaking of that, I had a case uh, this week. Somebody, I was saying he was having this, uh, so like, we call it like blank. You know, all of a sudden he was just blank. He couldn't could remember things. And I pointed out, I showed him that he was very tense, he's very tight, lots of tightness in his neck and sternocleidomastoid, his two muscles, too tight. And I was telling him that one of the things that makes the brain function is an oxygen. So mm. If you have this pipe we call neck tight, of course, not enough blood circulation to the brain, but also not enough oxygen. So if you have this, happen to have this blank or situation, if you're dizzy or something like that, I strongly recommend to massage your neck, to relax any form of massage, especially if you can use some essential oils. Okay. Frankincense does that. It helps oxygen to, to flow to your brain, right? So this, this is very simple. And the other one that I like is cedar wood. Cedar wood go to limbic system. It's responsible for everything like breathing, something we have no control upon. That's where cedar wood uh, helps. Also very good for ticks as well. If your dog has ticks, cedar wood, yeah, keeps the ticks away. Oh, wow, that's cool. The ticks don't like cedar wood. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You know, I've heard is kind of a side note, but um, I've heard from people that the ticks are really bad this year. Like here in Colorado, I've heard on the East Coast, like I've heard there's a lot more than normal. So that's really good information because the cedar might be something even to keep. I wonder if we could keep some cedar wood chips in our backpack even to help kind of keep them away when we're hiking yeah, i think it's the descent apparently they don't like what i used to recommend it i did actually whenever i see a dog with the ticks it to put some some cedar wood um uh, oil in you know warm water and with a comb you know dip it in and then it just comb so this they, they, they go away they fall off Another thing, if you see that there's an area that has lots of ticks, you can spray with some cedar oil or something. Oh. Yeah, so they, they don't like it, they go away. So it helps the brain, but the ticks don't like it. Well, that's good. I don't know if you know this about me, but I have limes. And so does my little brother. And so it's been something we've had to work through. I'm very blessed. Like I, I haven't had any intense symptoms or anything, but I do, you know, every once in a while I'm treating that um, because it does impact the brain. 
And um, so the tick thing is a big deal because you really do want to protect yourself if you can so that you're not dealing with that because it's like a whole Absolutely. other thing you have to deal with. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's it's a good thing and it's it's harmless. I mean, it's not toxic, mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's a very good thing. Um, there's no by chance that people use cedar wood for, you know, in certain parts of the house. They want to keep the uh, insects away, you know, at least in the Bahamas. They do this a lot because of t uh, termites. Mm -hmm. uh, so they use uh, cedar wood to, uh, you know, certain parts of the house. All right. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, another thing we talked about last time was certain medicinal plants. Uh, or certain herbs or something that promotes the uh, memory or the cognitive function. And there was one thing we're talking about, it's called nerve growth factor. It's like the certain substances, certain uh, herbs that creates new, 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 new pathways, new, new, new brain waves, new, new, new neurons. It's a whole configuration in the house. And it's called nerve growth factor. And one of them we discussed about was the um, coffee fruit extract. Mm. It's not the coffee as we know it, uh, so the beans, it's the fruit that covers, that's around that, the bean, which looks just like cherries. It's red and it's very sweet to taste, right? But in the process of drying, they, they, go, they, they dry so they're not used to uh, that part of the plant. But now we know to a process of extraction of extract or something that this, the, the, the coffee fruit extract can promote a new growth, growth of new brain cells. It's, it's unheard of uh, until recently. And wow. there's something else that I'm gonna talk about in a moment that does the same thing. Right? Um, so, and then we talk about blueberries, ginkgo biloba, phosphorus. You know what phosphorus is important for us? Because the cow's milk has lots of calcium, right? It's because the calf needs is to promote the, the, the bones quickly, is to help to the structure fast. Right? Now, the mother's milk, the human milk, it doesn't have enough calcium, not as much, but it has phosphorus. Why? To help the brain to develop. So it's a totally different story, right? So phosphorus, it's in a way, in many ways, shape or form, even homeopathic. Uh, phosphorus is wonderful for memory. Okay? So go back to origins. Now, something that I didn't talk about last time, but I'm going to share with you is mushrooms. Mm. Mushrooms are truly a powerhouse, truly powerhouse for, for everything, anything to do with the health in general, but especially with the brain. And there's one particular one that is fabulous, that promotes the, the, the nerve growth factor I just spoke about. It's lion's mane. It's called lion's, lion, lion's mane. It's, it's all the research show that it, it, it it protects against degenerative diseases from brain, improves memory, improves concentration, um, and even uh, immune system, gut bacteria. It's overall uh, medicine. Uh, lion's mane. It looks like just like a lion's. The other one is chaga, also similar chaga uh, mushroom. 
Reishi, we talked about last time, that protects the heart and memory, uh, helps focus. Shiitake, that we have a lot in Japan. Um, turkey tail and cordyceps. They're all fantastic for the memory, for the brain, for circulation, and, and everything else. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just have a question. How do you prepare the mushrooms? So I was at the farmer's market on Sunday and there was a mushroom booth with like the most beautiful array of mushrooms. They had everything you're talking about and more. I mean, they just had incredible fresh mushrooms. And I was like, you know, it, I went to culinary school. So to cook them, to eat them is one thing, but like, what do you, how do you recommend, I mean, I know there's the teas and things, but what are some things we can do to prepare them to get the most out of them? Do you know? Um, there, there are ways. In Japan, um, they love shiitake. They call the emperor mushroom shiitake. It's good for so many things. What they normally do, if they're fresh, they, they grill them. Oh, okay. So, mushroom is the most delicious thing. It's wonderful. Of course, they put a little bit of soy sauce or tamari or something like that. But mm -hmm. it's delicious because of the texture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They use a lot in soups because most of the mushrooms that come to us, they are dehydrated. So if you go to a Japanese or Chinese store, they are in back, they are, they are dried, right? So you leave them soaked for a while. And the best thing is when you make some sort of soup, especially if it involves a little bit of um, seaweed, because seaweed, as we discussed last time, is, is wonderful for the kidneys. And knowing the connection, kidneys and brain, seaweed uh, weeds play a very important part. So you could cook them like a soup. Huh? Or nowadays, um, you can find extract. If you look for, there's some good qualities, uh, like a mushroom extract. You can have them like powdered form. I'm... I'm, I'm you know, I like teas. I like um, uh, liquid extract because act faster. But in certain certain case, when you cannot find them, you, the powder is also good, especially if you mix with some uh, soupy or some some liquid vehicle. Okay. Okay. Extract. But basically, if you find a nice shiitake mushroom, you want to do a, a barbecue. It's a okay. It's the Japanese way. <laughs> I love it. We're we're big um, grillers at my house. I'm. We definitely love the smoking and the grilling and all of that stuff. So that sounds good. Yeah, wonderful. Now it comes to finally. Basically, that's what we talked about last time. But today we're going to talk about neuroplasticity, the plasticity of the mind, which is the most fascinating subject for me. I'm still. Crawling and the beginning of it, but what I know already, it's so mind-boggling, because I, until recently, in terms of medicine, we knew the idea was up to three years of age, three, four, five max. Every your brain, uh, the all the the, the, the brain uh, nerves were, you know, the neurons were done. You know, they don't grow anymore. That's that's what you have. You carry throughout life, and when it comes to it. And then you're going to be losing them. But now we know that is not true. They not only grow, they expand, and they can take new configuration depending what, what the case is. So this is a major revolution 
knew about plasticity of the mind, so became mold of plasticity of the or neuroplasticity. So what happens is when somebody has an accident um, or lose part of the brain or affect the brain or one hemisphere, uh, over time the other side, the other hemisphere, take takes over some of the functions about the other one. Okay. We know that that happens almost naturally. It's like it's nature doing this whole thing. But now we know that if we can promote that, if we can exercise, we can create this much faster. Not only the physical aspect of it, like a, a brain or, or you lose movement of one arm or something, you can, you can work with that, but also mentally. And this interesting thing is that when it comes to mind, the mental aspect of things, the conclusion is it takes 21 days hmm. to create a new pathways, to rewire your brain, for, wow. to literally to change your mind. Do you know how I found out about this? It was when I, on my holidays, I was in my hometown in Brazil, and I found out there was this young uh, guitar orchestra only for children. You know, I like to like teenagers, only children, teenagers playing guitar. It's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Mm. And I went to talk to them. I wanted to meet them. The lady was in charge. It was like a home for, for children, uh, you know, very devoted lady for the past 35 years dedicated in helping these children introduce them to music and all that. And she told me that when she, you know, come across a child that's been abandoned or with traumas, she said she would sit with him or her for a long, for a time and try to change that the, the frame of mind. And then she said, it takes about 21 days. I say, why? What's the number? She said, I learned this from my um, from the person who takes the gardener. Why so? The gardener told me that it takes 21 days when he's doing a graft, work with the plant, uh, doing a graft. It takes 21 days, about 21 days for, for, the, for things to work, right? And she could tell that it's the same amount of time that takes to change a child's mind. Wow. I don't see anything more powerful than that. Yeah. Not only change the perspective, the child's perspective of life and, and, and hope and everything, not only that, learning music, it is, you know, really rewiring the, 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 the child's brain. And that's the most fascinating example of brain plasticity. Because you can change that. You can, your brain takes a new configuration, right? Mm -hmm. It's like they've done an experiment also. They realized that the brain of uh, a blind person, uh, because the person was reading uh, Braille, uh, using mm -hmm. especially mostly the right hand, the brain, the, the side associated with the right hand was much more developed because of that, you know, over and over wow. to that. We're going to talk about hand in a moment. But it's fascinating, Lisa, when it comes to the idea that, yes, we can change not only physical, 
but also behavioral as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, there is um, also I use a lot for stress because I have this. You know, I've been using this for quite a while. Mm -hmm. I don't share and I don't tell what I'm doing so as not to to create expectations. But <clears throat> I call this induced sighing. Sighing. Um, normally, we sigh after we've gone through a stressful moment, right? Ah, I'm glad it's over. Yeah? When you went to uh, the roller coaster, when it stopped. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's over. But this is different. This is uh, when you, uh, normally the idea is when you, you, while still experience the stress, while still experience, experiencing the, the emotion, you start taking at least three sighs of relief. Like, ah, right, with the sound. Ah, ah, right? By doing that, you trick your subconscious mind into thinking that it's not a big deal. Right? Yeah. So next time you come across the same situation, your reaction is going to be totally different. Wow. Say if you're the, the your dentist uh, waiting room, waiting for your term, your time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time to start sighing of relief, you know, this, ah, ah. because when it comes to your time, you you'll be much more prepared for whatever comes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is a very simple uh, example of, of uh, neuroplasticity. You're creating new configuration. It, from here, it doesn't need to be there necessarily. It can be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, you're rewiring your brain, right? The other one that I, I use a lot for people who have some issues, uh, resentment with uh, a person uh, and see what can I do I normally suggest the person to get the photo if possible the photo of the person in question and another photo of the the person or the pet some that she loves the most in this world yeah being a family member and she's going to spend some time looking at the photo of the person or the, the pet she loves the most in the world. Stay there for a while. And then all of a sudden you shift, put in front of her the, the, the picture of the person. She doesn't go along with very well. She keeps doing that. I tell the person to keep doing that. And what happens is very simple. It's a chemistry. When we are uh, looking at uh, or in front of with the person we love the most or the pet, there's an amount of oxytocin, which is the love hormone outpouring, pouring all over you. You know, your brain is releasing that. So when you shift to the person you don't like very much, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> the love hormone is already pouring. There's no time to shut it down. <laughs> it's just like a trick. So if you keep doing that, that is going to change completely the relationship. I come up with this by observing certain aspects of uh, behavior aspects. So it works beautifully. Yeah? But the hardest thing is to find, get the person to find a photo of somebody she doesn't like. Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See if we can, now internet is easy, but anyway, 
But this is another form of plasticity. You change your perception. In this case, it's hormonal, it's, it's a feeling thing. It's not structural. It's not that you have a problem with your brain or, or you know, this mm -hmm. is more related. There's another one that I call play against Sam. If, say, in the past, you have this memory of something that happened to you that didn't have a good outcome, Say you studied long time for an exam, and you, you you put lots of effort into study, and then the day you forgot everything, or you didn't remember or didn't get a good result, you didn't pass the exam, and and that affects you tremendously. You've been carrying this for a long time. You know it wasn't what I'm expecting that changed my life, my behavior, blah blah blah. So there's a way of doing this. I, I like the person to bring that the memory back, of course, in a very calm, relaxed environment, and bring that, that the situation, the emotion. It's important that the emotion is there. And then we can measure from zero to 10, uh, how much is it? It's like a 10, a five, or a seven, just to gauge, to gauge how much emotion is there. And then I, I asked the person, to be almost like a movie director yeah you're going to have all the best actors and actresses that you can choose all the best cameraman all the best light to create to recreate the scene with the positive outcome right so you go there and you're going to uh the person is telling you oh you didn't pass but this time you say yes you got the best marks. You you know you create whatever you want, and keep doing that many times. As many times as see, and you can see uh, also the, the degree of emotion going down and down and down. So you play it against them. You play and play and play and play. It's almost like um, like a rug that is very uh, the, the the colors are very bright, but you keep washing it, washing it, watching it's gonna fade fade away, fade out. So this is another form of plasticity. And this is very um, helpful when there's a painful memory, mm. a, a painful memory of an accident or something like that. You can, you can create a positive outcome, but this time you're in charge. This time you can create the outcome you want to. And every time you try to think, it's not that you're going to forget about what happened, but the emotion won't be the same, right? This totally different story. And we can change this fact to the other filing cabinet, the storage's fact. Mm -hmm. So these are one of the things we can do. There's another one I would like to share with you. There's so many here um, looking, but there is uh, something we call muscle, muscle memory, body memory that you of the therapists know you know about this. Um, it's like uh, there are two one two 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 uh, muscle memory. One is a positive one. You've been exercising all your life. You've been very active, and you stop doing that for a while. You'll be, you know, not doing. You get tired of it. But the next time you want to do that again, it's faster because your muscles have memory. The muscles remember. Uh, uh, what, how it fails at the time, so it comes faster to you. 
Yeah. I, actually, I like this word, remember, to member again, isn't it? Put your members back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, remember. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, to bring the members back. So this is a positive one, but there is a negative one, say, um, something you 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 had a fall and had an accident and and then it creates that say in your arm or leg there's a point it's always painful it's always painful and every time especially the neck and areas you come across similar situations that created the problem in the first place it's going to tense up you know like a guarded you know like like your protection and the best way to do this, Lisa, is to go where the most painful area is, press, continuous, not, not, too, not too strong, just press. And at the same time, you get something positive, like uh, essential oil, you know, or nice music, or something that uplifts your, your senses. Then from now on, every time you feel that discomfort is going to be automatically associated with a pleasant experience in this case you're overlapping you're covering it's not bad in one hand i'm pressing i'm acknowledging and the other hand I'm, I'm i'm infusing this memory with something positive which is wonderful it works beautifully you know uh, it can be a music it can be anything or, or an ice, ice cream or chocolate while you're doing this. Ah. <laughs> Something that makes you happy. Okay. Now, there is uh, also one thing that I, how much time do we have? Uh, we still have 15 minutes. Okay. A little under 15 minutes. Uh, yeah. There is one, one, one experiment they did in uh, a while ago in the Silicon Valley for all the people that have nothing to do with meditation, nothing to do with <laughs> just numbers and, and computers. And they, the idea was they stayed um, 21 days again, just practicing, like, say, a five-minute meditation, focusing something, a flower or whatever. It's a very simple form of meditation for five minutes for 21 days. Some people even did two minutes, five minutes too much, too long. <laughs> and they realized that they could rewire their brains, just that. Just five minutes every day of meditation, focusing something nice. And uh, they, they get better memory retrieval, feeling better about themselves. Something small, but again, rewiring the brain. Mm -hmm. And it's, as you, what I'm trying to convey is not something impossible. It's not climbing the Mount Everest. It's attainable as long as you put your mind to it. And the only thing that requires when you're working with the rewiring uh, neuroplasticity, rewiring your brain, is um, commitment. It's important to stick with it for a while. Okay, that's when you bring things uh, to change. The other one is um, another thing that I, I like to share with you is the uh, the hands, the importance of the hands. Uh, in your brain, in your memory. Have you noticed how memorized a baby is with their hands? Mm. Uh, they look in, you know, they keep looking at their hands, the movement. And that's precisely, uh, they, you know, these people who study this, uh, 
the brain development, they realize that the main thing that happens is by working with their hands, it helps to develop the brain. Mm. And if you, in the process of writing my book, uh, Mudras, I was doing some research and realized that if you cut the brain, the cortex, you know, the brain like this, you realize that the space, the, the brain reserves for the hands is very large, hinting the importance the brain gives to our hands. Mm. Not only that, the space for the thumb, the, th the space for the thumb is huge. You know, what what we do with the thumb and, and, and the hands. That's one of the, when I was in the process of writing the, uh, the mudras, uh, the book, and there are two main mudras for memory that I would like to share with people. One is yana, which is basically that one you do when you meditate, like your index finger uh, touching your thumb. That activates your memory. That's wonderful for your brain. Calms your mind. Yes, that's that's yana. Really good. Yeah. And the other one is beautiful. It's one of the most plastic which is Hakini. I love this one. Yeah. This is really, really improves your mind. This calms you down. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It, yeah, the, 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 the fingers, they're not up there. They're almost horizontal. It's really special if you want to work with your mind, uh, with the memory to this, this um, use this mudras. And because there's a there's association with the brain and the hands in Chinese medicine, right? So if you have hands, heart, and brain, if you have a hand that is calm, relaxed, peaceful, that shows that your brain is calm, relaxed, your heart is at peace. But if your hands are more, you know, tense, that shows there's an internal tension. Um, so basically, there are many things you can do. But the main thing I want to convey with this, uh, you know, the subject we're sharing is again, is that it's possible. It's, it is possible, it's attainable. Maybe it will take time, but it need, we need commitment. That's the best thing to do, okay? We're much more powerful than we think. We're not just dry leaves being blown by the wind. Yeah, we're very powerful. And I would like to, as you normally do, like to end with um, a quote to contentment and happiness with Lao Tzu, which is my, one of my uh, idols uh, from the past. Be content with what you have. Rejoice in the ways things are. When you realize that nothing is lacking, the whole world belongs to you. that's amazing Cairo there, I, I love what you're I mean I love the whole everything you've taught but just reminding all of us that you know we have that power to heal ourselves and to support ourselves and not to you know when I was dealing with all of my neurological issues it, it was scary and it was hard and I was told maybe it would be that way forever um, but I just didn't believe it and I don't have any of those issues now. And I think it's that reminder that we have the power to heal ourselves and that there's all these incredible 
techniques and supports out there to support us to get where we need to be and that you don't have to settle for being unwell. Yes. And then this one thing, as I said before, um, we have this amazing capacity of healing ourselves. It's something we came with. It's part of our tools that we came with it. Um, and sometimes, but we need a little information, a little help here and there, but we have that. And it's very important to accept that as a fact. I'm not going to use the word belief, but because belief is something we believe, but it's not a question just taking it as true. It's not the belief anymore. It's being sure that this is happening. Um, and basically everything in life is a question of timing. Maybe it's not now, maybe tomorrow I'll find out an information that would connect with what I'm looking for for so long, the piece mm -hmm. of the puzzle. Yeah. But this doesn't stop me from looking for for, for using what I have. Uh, playing with the cards the, 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 the universe has given to me. But yeah. there's lots of ways, lots of ways, and especially when it comes to energy aspect of things. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, if somebody wants more information, uh, you have my contacts, uh, but it's something you can do yourself. Mm -hmm. um, very important. Yeah, and I want to say hi to everybody out there and just some comments for you, Cairo. So Hope said sneaking in again, can't miss Dr. Rosha. And Hope is one of our YouTube members. So that nonviolent that's up there is one of our emojis, which you can't see in here, um, but it's a gold ribbon for nonviolence. And Hope also said, I had to rewire my brain from major postpartum depression. It was really hard, um, but it's a miracle and it works. So I love that as well. And um Thank you guys for sharing your comments and being a part of this discussion today. And um, yes, there is your information going across the screen, but just do you want to take some space to just share with everybody what you have going on and how they can connect with you if they want to do some individual work with you or get your book or um, connect in whatever way they feel? You know, well, the day, my website is Cairo Rosha Med, as we, we see it's going through here. Uh, but um, if you want to contact me, it could be also Cairo Rocha, um, sorry, Cairo at CairoRoshaMed.com or CairoPRoshia at gmail.com. Okay? Um, I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been just a treat. It's been a treat to have you twice this month. And um, this is definitely a hot topic for everybody in the community. So thank you so much, Cairo, for spending the extra time and energy to teach us all of these incredible things about our brain. Thank you so much, Liz. Uh, I would just say I'm the happiest when I'm being able to share some ideas with people. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for opening the space and facilitating this process for all of us. Oh, thank you. And Kathleen also says, thank you, Cairo. And um, thank you guys so much for watching and being such a great audience. And um, Cairo's back um, soon. So don't worry, he'll be back again. And I am back in one hour at one o'clock mountain time with Deanna Hansen, the founder of Fluid Isometrics and Block Therapy, and April Megason, Meganson, who is a yoga therapist. And we're going to be talking about how to create space for grace in your body and in your life. So thank you, Cairo, and I'll see everybody back in about an hour. Take care, bye-bye. Bye everyone, thank you, have a great day.